0: How's everybody doing this morning? Hallelujah. Pastor Dan is, is on a little vacation. He's uh, enjoying Texas and surrounding areas, and uh, we're still having church. Amen. Hallelujah. Look at someone else and say, we're still having church. Uh, and, you, and you know that we are the church. Hallelujah. We are the church. This building is not a church. Okay? We are the church. So look at someone else and say, you and I are the church. You know, I was reminded as we were worshiping this morning, it says in Psalm chapter 22, verse number three, it says, but you are holy, Lord, and you are enthroned in the praises of God's people. When praise goes on and we are using our voices to declare the greatness of God through song, you know what happens? God's word says he is enthroned. It's like he puts and sets up a throne above us as we worship and praise him. Isn't that an amazing understanding of God's word? Hallelujah. That we declare the praises of our God and he then is enthroned on that. It's like he builds a throne. Hallelujah. So I encourage you as God's people to use your voice when it's time to sing. Use that voice. Declare with your song the things of God. For it is powerful. God is enthroned upon that. Look at your neighbor and say, that's pretty good stuff. God's word also says in Psalm 117 verses 1 and 2. It says, praise God everybody. Hallelujah, applaud God, all you people. What does it mean to applaud? Come on. Now, if, if your basketball team did a slam dunk, that is not how you would respond. Let's try that again. What does it mean to applaud God? Yes? you know I have a prophetic edge sometimes to me and I will kind of cut a little bit and so I I am maybe doing a little cutting this morning but that's okay look at your neighbor and say that's okay you'll get healed (laughs) why should we applaud God and why should we praise God it says here his love has taken over our lives God's faithful ways are eternal. Hallelujah. We can praise the Lord knowing that the things he is, the things he does, hallelujah, is eternal. And it will never come to an end. He is that amazing. Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and say, now that's amazing. Hallelujah. You know, that's not even in my message today. So you're getting this free of charge from the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Do you want a little bit more Holy Ghost? Hallelujah. You know, the last song that we sang was glorify his name in all the earth. And then we begin to begin to pray it out. We begin to uh, declare it during our prayer time this morning. There is something about glorifying the name that is above every other name. We need to use our mouth to declare, hallelujah, the name of our Lord. Hallelujah! Today we're going to go into that a little bit more in depth. But I want us to say, who glorifies His name in all the earth? Say it again. We do. Who? We do. You do. We do. It is our privilege and honor to glorify the name of the Lord. Watch what he will do if you just open your mouth and declare. Can I get an amen? Amen. Hallelujah. He is worthy of blessing. You know what? If you get happy on something, you can clap. Hallelujah. If you think something is worth a little bit more oomph, then you say amen. Look at your neighbor and say, say that. Okay. Mm -mm. My, 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 my. Hallelujah. Just go forth and make that declaration. Give a little amen when it's uh, uh, appropriate. What's your name anyway? What's your name again? Um, your name? I-, I forgot. You know, what is your name? Say that to me again. Now, you're looking at me like, well, you poor thing. I guess the southern way of saying it is, uh, bless your heart. <laughs> Meaning, why, you poor little thing that doesn't know a thing what's going on, okay? You, you look at me that way, and yet you've done that yourself. Or a lot of us, we just stay quiet, and we just wait for someone else to say their name, like when I'm going, oh, yeah, that's their name, okay? <laughs> you've done that. <laughs> look at someone and say, yeah, I've done that. <laughs> Names are important to us. For it brings identification. It brings kind of a settling if you think about it. Okay? It brings some clarity to things. It brings some trust. And it brings even more. I want you to get your pens and, and, and your paper ready. Get your iPads going. And I want us to be ready to uh, understand some things about names. Okay? Is there, look at someone and say, let's, let's do this. Okay, names and their meanings, okay, have been very important throughout history. Okay, we've seen it throughout the whole Old Testament. In fact, if you do any study at all, which I know that everyone here does good study, is when you go into the Word and you see names, especially in the Old Testament, you might want to look up what the name means, because there's some powerful truths that come forth out of it, okay? Okay. And I don't want to go into any particular name because if I do, then I will go on that bunny trail and we may not come back, okay? (laughs) But I remind you of the most wonderful name to me or at least a great word to me is Mephibosheth. Okay, and what Mephibosheth meant, but what it also means. And uh, I shared that several weeks ago in a message. And uh, But there are so many names in the Old Testament that have proper meaning to them. And you can pull from it because it helps understand the whole synopsis of that whole uh, uh, incident that may have taken place. Or that whole time frame that took place. And uh, uh, even... Uh, you even have people who name others after a scenario, okay? A lot of people are named after their family members because there's such an honor to it. There's such a, a, a heritage that comes from it. Uh, names are important to people. Of course, then I had a family that I'm not sure that they really uh, <laughs> believe that way because they named their son Jesse James. <laughs> and I'm sure there are others, you know, that have done some similar things, you know, and and I'm thinking, okay, well, whatever, (laughs) but names, look at your neighbor and say names, you know, there's a a phrase, you know, from long ago, you know, probably still around today, you know, when you were little and you, and uh, someone was trying to make you feel bad, and, and uh, you said, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names and faces won't hurt me, Uh, well, And names and faces do hurt if they're done in a negative way. And uh, I am here that stones and and bricks and sticks will, uh, you'll eventually get healed of those things. But sometimes the names that we proclaim over some people, okay, they stick and it's devastating to them. And yet there are other names that are very important and they are everlasting and they change the way you are on a positive side. And today I want you to get ready as we uh, go into the word of God regarding. Uh, some very important names that you want to remember a couple of them you probably know well probably another you may or may not but I want us to go dig deep today look at your neighbor and say let's dig deep deep. God has more than one name did you know that God has more than one name think about one of the names that you know of God Think of one of those names. Just one. I know you're probably going with 13 of them already. Okay? Choose one. And call out his name, please. Jehovah, Jehovah what? All right. Yes. Come on. Shalom. Rafa. A couple more. Yahweh. Amen. Okay, there are many, many, many more. Just like you know that there are how many facets on a diamond. We don't even know how many. Okay, but that's the names of our God are so multifaceted. There's so many of them, okay? And we want to be able to dig in to at least a couple of them. You know, I, as I first started studying, I had six of them that I was going to do, and I thought, oh, dear Jesus, if I do all six of them, we won't be here and we won't be gone until 2 p.m., <laughs> which I know some of you think that that's grand and glorious, okay? And others, it's like, well, I think I've had enough for today. <laughs> But God has more than one name, and each name stands for a quality of who He is or what He does. Hallelujah. We know Him as Creator. We know Him as Savior. We know Him as Healer. We know Him as Redeemer. We know Him as the Alpha and the Omega. We know Him as Provider, and much, much more. We could go on and on for quite a a time declaring who He is. Hallelujah. And we go about doing that, but do we really understand what happens when we declare his name? You know, we've been talking several times today about using our voice to declare something. Hallelujah. How many times have you heard your name called? Okay? And more than not, each time you responded to that call. Hallelujah. How much more will your heavenly father respond to you, Hallelujah when you call out his name? We're humans. We sometimes don't respond. (laughs) Sometimes we have uh, what's called uh, picking and choosing. I'll choose to listen to this part, but not to that. And okay, so, when, when something happens, okay, we may or may not call upon God or we may or may not respond to something. Hallelujah. But whenever we call and, talk and re- release to God one of His names, guess what happens? He responds. He responds. Some of us think, some of us have the idea that God goes around and He's like this, off in the distance. And remember the song from years ago? I don't even know who sang it. It says, In a distance. You know, talking about God is way off somewhere. Okay? And he's kind of watching us, but that's just about it. No, that's not your God. That's a lie, by the way. I think it was Bette Midler, you know, that sang the song. And that's a lie because our God is not way off in a distance, he is very present, he is very near. And he will not, I repeat, he will not leave us alone. He will not leave us by ourselves. He will, hallelujah, be there to accomplish and do what is needed at any and all situations. If we just call upon him. God's word says, call upon me and I will answer you. And I will show you great and mighty things you don't know anything about. And so as you call upon the Lord uh, with one of his names, you know what he begins to do? He responds and he begins to show his people exactly what that name might be and what it's going to do for you and do in you and do from you. Does that say something to you? When we okay, have our name called, we respond hopefully... And we do what we can in this scenario that's take, that will take place. But our God, because he's God, okay, he will do supernatural things. And he will do things beyond what we could imagine or think to respond to that name that was called upon. Amen. Hallelujah. Does anyone understand what I'm trying to say today? Hallelujah. Today I'd like to put the spotlight on several names of God that uh, I believe are, are needed for this time that we live. Hallelujah. We, I, I just had to put this in. Remember that song that we just sang a little while ago It says, um, We praise the name that will make a way. The name. Everyone say the name. the name. We like to say the name, but insert Within that place, take out name and say, We praise the God who is named. We praise the God of. Hallelujah. Because he will make a way. The other song says, Where there seems to be no way. Hallelujah. Have you ever been in a situation where it seems like there was no way that it was going to work and yet you called on the name of the Lord and he made a way where there seemed to be no way? The power and the blessing that comes from calling upon the name of the Lord. That's why it says over and over in the word to praise the name of the Lord, to call upon the name of the Lord. There's something to it that if we were to use our voice to declare, to speak forth, hallelujah, it's going to make a dramatic difference in one's life. Can I get an amen? Amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Let's pray. Father, we thank you and honor you for today. We thank you that your word will go forth with clarity. It will go forth with precision. Yes, precision. It will cut like a knife. It will go in. Father, your word says that your word, the sword of the spirit, your word is quick. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing to the very dividing between the soul and the spirit. Between the thoughts, the intents, the motives, the attitudes of the heart are brought out. So Father, I thank you and praise you that the word will go forth. Hallelujah. And it will be like a double-edged sword and it will bring death to things and then swing back and it'll bring life to other things we just thank you for the double-edged sword of your word hallelujah we thank you we are willing we are willing people to receive your word we have fertile hearts in jesus name fertile hearts father we are ready to receive the word of the living god And we bless you and thank you for the results of it. I pray that your people will respond to your word in Jesus' name. They will respond to what you're saying to them in this hour in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. Hallelujah. I was preaching last Sunday afternoon at another church here in the city. And and as I was doing that, I was uh, preaching on the fire of God. And one of the things that the fire of God needs are three things that fire needs. Just fire. Plain and simple fire here on the earth. And one of them is you need heat. Okay. Another one you need is air. And another that you need. Okay. Does anyone know? You need heat. You need air. Fuel, you need fuel, okay? Now, take that and spiritualize it. The air, the Holy Ghost, you need the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. The heat is the pressures of life, some pressures that come, whether they're from God or from, you know, the world, okay? And then you need, okay, the fuel, the fuel is the wood, okay? But in the, in the realm of the spirit, we would say the word. You need the word, okay? And if you want the fire of God to become active and alive, you need the wood. And you need the, the, the word of God. And the Holy Spirit told me before I started preaching, he said, it's not just my word. It's the word in their womb. It's the word in their womb, It's the word that has been digested and has become a part and that is ready to be used to bring forth and to birth the things that God wants to accomplish that will not be accomplished unless the fire comes. Well, enough of the fire because we're talking about names, but one of his names is consuming fire. I do want you to know that. He is the consuming fire. Hallelujah! look at your neighbor and say, he is a consuming fire. Hallelujah. Years ago, uh, we lived in, in, of course, the Rocky Mountains. And you can go ahead and put up that first picture. And in that time frame, we, uh, living in the Rocky Mountains, we came across old buildings. Now, most of them were made of wood, uh, ghost towns, you know, and, and uh, ranches way out in the middle of nowhere. But every once in a while, there were some uh, uh, places that had been made of brick, But what I saw several times, and my granddad brought it forth, and he said, because I said, what's that in the corner of that building? Why is that big block there? And he said, well, that's called a cornerstone. That's called a cornerstone. And I was, well, why would you want to have a cornerstone there? And he said, it's very important uh, to the ones who were building the building. That you started with a cornerstone, and then from that cornerstone, you built everything from that place, okay? And it helped form where that uh, building would face, and and uh, so forth, okay? And so I was like, wow, that's pretty amazing, you know, a cornerstone. And that's a picture of a cornerstone, okay? Very important to the making of that building. And so... Um, I want us to remember that one of the names of our God is Chief Cornerstone. Everyone look at your neighbor and say, Chief Cornerstone. Now, Chief Cornerstone in Hebrew is Rosh Pinah. Okay, everyone say Rosh Pinah. I'm probably saying it wrong, but Rosh Pinah, and it means chief cornerstone. And uh, I always remember back through the years, I've traveled around, and I every once in a while see Rosh Pinah, and it's usually a school. And I'm wondering, well, what's that? Well, it's almost always Jewish, okay? It's Hebrew, and it's it's some sort of a Hebrew school, but they're declaring their name over that school is Rosh Pinah. And it means what? Chief cornerstone. Is that pretty awesome? Okay. And so uh, I just uh, wanted to bring that out. But a cornerstone, uh, here's a, another meaning of it. The most important part of any building. Everyone say important part. The total weight of, the, uh, the total weight of an edifice rested on this particular stone, which if removed would collapse the whole structure. The cornerstone was also the key to keeping the walls straight. The builders would take sightings along the edges of this cornerstone part of the building. If the cornerstone was set properly, the stonemasons could be assured that all of the other corners of the building and the walls would be at the appropriate angles as well. Thus the cornerstone became a symbol for that which held life together. Let that sink in. Who is this God? What was your name again? He's the chief cornerstone. You call upon him. Oh, chief cornerstone. I mean, I'm not trying to be Native American here, okay? Oh, chief cornerstone, whatever. I'm not trying to go that direction. I'm trying to be, uh, uh, get us to understand as a child of God, we stand in the presence we lack. And so we call out to the cornerstone. Lord, show me who you are. You said you are the cornerstone. What does that mean for me? Hallelujah. Does that make sense to everybody? Hallelujah. Let's, let's go back to some Old Testament times now, shall we? There was a place uh, uh, in Israel, okay? It was a little region. It was called Samaria. Everyone say Samaria. Samaria. And in Samaria, uh, the people of God had gotten to the point where they were, um, well, let's just say uh, they had gotten a little pride, okay? And they got a little big-headed, And uh, they began to see themselves as a cornerstone. Okay? And uh, so they took the God who created them out of the picture and they tried to accomplish things in and of themselves. And uh, God would come to them over and over again and speak to them about changing. And they wouldn't hear of it. In fact, they got to the place where they were aggravated with God. They got upset with him, okay, because he, would, he, he kept on showing how to come back to him step by step, this, then that, then here, then there, and, and they were getting aggravated over that. Okay. In fact, uh, they got upset at God for showing them this pattern and how to have true rest in life. And so uh, in Isaiah, you don't have to put the scripture up yet from 16 and 17, but I just wanted to share from verses 9 and 10, Isaiah 28 verses 9 and 10. It, it gives a picture of the Sumerian mindset. Okay, And God is showing them how to come back to him because they're going the wrong direction. They think they're the cornerstone. And he says, no, you're not the cornerstone. Come back to me. And it says here in verses 9 and 10, who does the Lord think we are anyway? They ask, why does he speak to us like this? Are we little children just recently weaned? He tells us everything over and over. One line at a time, one line at a time. A little here and a little there. That was their response. We're just getting a little PO'd with you, God. You're treating us like little kids, like we don't know what we're doing. The thing is, they didn't know what they were doing, and they thought they knew that they were doing. Uh, They wouldn't listen as they thought they were in control. And then in verse 15, it goes even a little further. Okay, The Sumerians even began to say the quote, You boast, God's talking, you boast... We have struck a bargain to cheat even death and have made a deal to dodge the grave. The coming destruction can never touch us for we have built a strong refuge made of lies and deception. We are a cornerstone and we can set it up, okay, and that we don't have to have, uh, deal with these issues. We're above all that. What about us? Look at yourself. Where do you Where do you stand in that? Might you have an area where that's going on? Hmm. Wow. They're the cornerstone. They're the cornerstone? And then I want us to look at Isaiah chapter 28, verses 16 and 17. So if you'll put that up on the screen. Isaiah 28, verses 16 and 17. Speak about how God responds to that mindset. It says, so this is what the sovereign Lord says. See? I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. The one who relies on it will never be stricken with panic. I will make justice the measuring line and righteousness the plumb line. Hail will sweep away your refuge, that which you think is so safe, that mindset That you have where you think that all is well and that I am the cornerstone. It says, I will sweep away uh, your refuge with hail. The lie and water will overflow your hiding place. Hallelujah. Thank God we live on the cross, on the other side of the cross. Hallelujah. But there's still some truth that we can pull from that. If we hold on and consider ourselves the cornerstone, we ourselves hold ourselves together. Then we are in danger, okay, of having a very difficult shifting kind of life. Like the shifting sand on the seashore. And then we try and build our life on that. It's not going to work. Hallelujah. Does everyone understand what I'm trying to say? Let's look at it from the Passion Translation. Uh, It says, here's what the Lord God says about this. Behold, I set in place uh, uh, in Zion a foundation stone. A foundation stone. Fully tested and proven to be faithful and secure. You've not been proven. Okay? Your cornerstone okay, will shake and it will fall. I am here to say... The cornerstone that I give, okay, is a sure cornerstone. It is a precious cornerstone. And written upon this precious cornerstone is this. Did you hear it? On that cornerstone is written the following. Those who trust in him will not act in haste. Sometimes we because we're in control, we're the cornerstone, guess what happens? We come across a situation, and because we don't hear God fast enough, okay, what do we do? We make a hasty decision, and it's not based from Him, and then we suffer the consequences for it. Has anyone ever done that before? Okay, I can probably put up a whole bunch of th- times when I've done that. Okay, suffered the consequences. God's gracious, God's good, okay, he's merciful, he's kind, he brings you back up after you've fallen. And he says, now let's, let's get, we're gonna, I'm going to wipe you off, now we're going to learn the lesson from this, you're going to hear what I have to say, and now we're going to move on. Hallelujah, amen, hallelujah, Hallelujah. The notes of the Passion Translation for this scripture say the following. The foundation stone is Christ, set in place in the councils of eternity. The Hebrew word for stone here is taken from the root word for son. Wow. God's foundation stone is the Son, Jesus Christ. Okay? Now the sun or the stone has become many. Us. From these stones, us, the sons, (laughs) the father is building us into his holy temple. Hallelujah. The master builder is building us and joining us for the purpose of his kingdom. As you turn your attention to him today, allow him to show you more of his presence, more of him as he builds us into all that he desires. Can I get an amen out of that? Now, let's look into Ephesians chapter 2 and look at it from the New Testament point of view. Hallelujah. Again, we see from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 22. It's talking to the people of God, the Ephesian people. They need to know this. Hallelujah. Consequently, everyone say consequently. That means there's some things before in the scripture. You might want to look it up. Several verses beforehand. But consequently, that means as a result of, okay, consequently you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. Hallelujah. So uh, would you go back? Go back to that one that we just finished with. Yeah, there it is. It says, we are built on the foundation. Okay, what's the foundation? It's of the apostles and the prophets. Who are the apostles? The 12 disciples, the apostles of Christ. Okay, the prophets, the prophets of old. Hallelujah. They shared some very important things, including Isaiah, where we just read from. Okay, and they were sharing things to us very important truths, okay? And from that and the apostles, okay? We get a foundation laid. And then it says that Jesus himself is the chief cornerstone of that foundation. Hallelujah. He's the part that everything else depends upon. Hallelujah. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 4 through 9. 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 4 through 9. Hallelujah. Again, Peter is talking to the people of God, giving them instruction on what they need to understand. He is your chief cornerstone. Look at your neighbor and say, "He is the chief cornerstone." Okay? We are not our own cornerstone. He is the cornerstone by which we live and move and have our being. Without him, we fall. Hallelujah. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 9. As you come to him, what does it say? What does it say? You've got to come to him. You've got to declare. You've got to speak forth. You need to release your praise. Release your, your declaration of who he is. As you come to him, look at your neighbor and say, you've got to come to him. As you come to him, the living stone. He isn't just a chief cornerstone, but he is alive. He is breathing. He is moving. He is moving about, moving about on your behalf. He's behind the scenes, moving and flowing and putting things together and taking other things apart in many ways where you can't see it. He is the living stone. He is not petrified. Anyone ever been to the petrified forest in Arizona? Okay, it's a desert, number one. And then in the middle of the desert of these rolling hills that have nothing on them, nothing, except pretty colors, okay? And in the middle, all over the place, are these chunks of trees, big around, some of them quite big around, two to three feet tall if they're sitting on the ground, okay? And there are trees that have broken apart and have been petrified. They are now stone. Your God is not petrified. Your God is not just sitting there dead and lifeless. He is alive and He's moving on your behalf. Hallelujah. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, by the way, but chosen by God and precious to him. There's that word precious again. Precious. It's not not the Lord of the Rings. My precious. My precious. No, no, no. Totally different. Precious. Very dear. Costly beyond measure. Hallelujah. And so it says... Okay, chosen by God and precious to Him. You also like living stones. You are not petrified. You are not old and dead and lifeless. You are alive. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are being built. What are we? Being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. Offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. We are being built into the house in which he is the chief cornerstone. He is the precious living stone. Call upon him today. Ask him. I need you. I need to have the chief cornerstone alive and well in my being or I will not survive. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's move on. Hallelujah. There is another name that we want to cover today, and that is the good shepherd. Everyone say the good shepherd. If you'll put the picture of, there's the the shepherd and the sheep. Uh, I was raised, of course, in the Rocky Mountains, and there were lots and lots and lots of sheep everywhere. And if there were sheep, then there were shepherds. And those shepherds, okay, we get the idea. I was even talking to someone yesterday, and in it I shared, you know, about the shepherd and the sheep. And I said, they do a lot. And, and uh, the person said, well, I just thought the sheep, the sheep just were let out of the truck or whatever, and then they were just out to grace, and then the, just the shepherd would just watch. I said, oh, no. That, that is, that is the, the briefest example of what a shepherd does, but there's so much more entailed in understanding what a shepherd does. He is your good shepherd. Okay, let's look into what a shepherd is. Hallelujah. Well, first off, the name, okay, Good Shepherd, has a Hebrew meaning, and it's Jehovah-Raha. Okay, or Ra, and then a little uh, apostrophe, and then A-H after that, Ra. I want you to understand, okay, that when I was growing up, um, we watched the shepherds and we watched the sheep. My family wasn't, we weren't sheep, her, uh, sheep herders, okay, but we were around a lot of people that were and they worked very hard and there were many things that they would have to uh, pay attention to, okay, or the sheep would not survive, Okay, And I want to go into a little bit of detail what the shepherds do. Uh, And they still do it to some extent today, although technology has greatly helped uh, along the way. But the original shepherds in the Old Testament, like during David's time, and even beyond that, they did many things. And of course they took care of the sheep, but that's such a generalization of what they actually did. One of them was they protected them. Sheep don't really have much of a brain. They're cute, especially when they're young, oh, soft and fuzzy looking, okay? But they don't have much of the ability to think, okay? And they just go and do, okay? And that's about it. And so uh, it is the job of the shepherd to protect them in many different formats. There are many wild animals uh, that could easily capture the sheep in different scenarios. And so the, the shepherd would have to protect the sheep from all of the wild animals, all the wild things going on. And, and there's so many of them, okay? And so at, at night, okay, the shepherd would have to still protect the sheep. The sheep are bedded down, yes, but you sheep are very known for being very skittish, okay, Uh, the slightest sounds, and they're up and they start moving, okay, and so uh, it is the shepherd that would begin to talk to the sheep. He would talk to them all through the day. He would talk with them even in the evenings as they're bedding down. He would walk around the edge of of the flock of sheep, and he would talk to them, and then when he would gather at the fire at night, he would sing songs, And the songs were sung partly to cause the sheep not to be able to hear the scary sounds that were out there in the wild. Another was also to help them so that they would know the voice of the shepherd. And so he would sing over them and he would talk to them. And do you know in Zephaniah 3.17 it says that the Lord your God sings over you. He is your good shepherd. And he sings over you. You need it. You need to know his song. Lord, help me to know what it means when you say you're the good shepherd. I want to receive everything you have for me regarding what it is to be a good shepherd. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He keeps them together. He keeps them rounded up. A lot of times they now use shepherd dogs, sheep dogs. And to keep them all corralled and uh, in one place. Because if, if you don't, they will. There will be some who they'll just go off in the distance somewhere, not paying any attention where they're going. And then you'll always have followers. And they just follow because, oh, he must know where he's going. And so I'll just go where they go. Okay? There was even a story one time where the, there was a flock of sheep. Okay? And I think it was Heidi, or were they goats? With Heidi. I can't remember sheep or goats. But anyway, there were a few of them in the story. And they're on a steep hillside of the Alps. Okay? And guess what happens? Uh, The shepherd is there. And they're trying. It was Peter. One of the characters in the story. And his job was to keep the sheep. Okay? From going off the edge. And if one of them went off the edge, the others would just follow. Okay? God's word says we're sheep. Oh, rats. Sometimes we think we're so amazingly smart, and we're really not. Okay? <laughs> he leads them. He leads them. Everyone say, he leads them. He leads, okay, the sheep. He looks ahead, okay, to where they need to go next. They're not paying attention to what they're, where they're going. They're just busy eating. That's all they're doing. They're just eating, okay? They're eating the grass, okay? And they keep eating the grass, and then they start pulling up the grass, okay? And they eat it from the roots, and then there's no grass left, and then they don't know what to do, okay? And so the, the shepherd looks ahead and sees where the next uh, place of green pasture is located, okay? Does that make sense? You know, sheep tend to overgraze, you know. They just keep eating and eating and eating and eating at the same place all the time kind of like us sometimes we we like a certain way that God's doing something and so we feed in that particular way over and over and over and over and over and then it begins to lose its luster it begins to lose its power it begins to lose its effectiveness after a while and we wonder what's going on and it's God and he says if you I'm your good shepherd if you hear my voice I'm going to tell you to go this way now I'm going to tell you now to go over here. I'm going to tell you this is the next place you need to be going. Hallelujah. Does that make sense to everybody? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then there's a place of shearing. Sheep need to be sheared. Sheep are not like other animals. Okay? Other animals, they have fur or they have hair and it sheds all the time. Sheep don't do that. Okay, it just keeps growing and it keeps growing and it keeps growing. Have you ever seen a sheep that looks just kind of like it's really fluffy? Okay, and the thing is you can't see its eyes and you can hardly see its feet because it can get that, that much on there, okay? They have to be shorn. Everyone say shorn. Sheep have to be shorn. They have to, be, they have to go and, and, and cut off all that hair, all that fur, all that wool, okay? Otherwise, they won't be able to move, And they won't be able to see. And they won't be able to breathe. And they won't be able to eat. They've got to have it. It's like uh, the apple orchards or the citrus orchards and the orchard farmers. They have to, even though that tree is beautiful and it keeps getting bigger and bigger, and each year the apples and the citrus, they begin to just produce more and more and more. But if they don't prune those branches... Those branches will break and the tree falls apart and it does not survive. We must be shorn. We must be pruned. So the shepherd shears the sheep from time to time. There is a season for it. We don't like the shearing. We like that nice comfortable feeling. Okay? But it's got to be done. Look at your neighbor and say, it's got to be done. Let's read John chapter 10 verses 1 through 5. John chapter 10 verses 1 through 5. Verily or truly or very truly I tell you, Pharisees. He was talking to the Pharisees. Anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. Verse 2. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. Hallelujah. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, who? The shepherd. And the sheep listen to his voice. What do the sheep do? Do you listen to his voice? He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Carol, let's go this way. Maurice, let's go this way. JB, let's go this way. Louise and Byron, let's go this way. He calls each of us by name and leads us where? Out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What else does it say? And it says, verse number, yep, there we go, verse 4. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them. After he has brought out all of his own, he goes out ahead of them. Where does he go? If we're not careful, we're our own shepherd. And then we go our own way and then we find ourselves lost in a hurry. Huh? And his sheep follow him. 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 Hallelujah. Because they know his voice. Do you know his voice? Not like, you think, not like you think you do. We want to, and to a certain extent we do. But there's always a, a way that we can improve our listening skills. I've watched older people, okay, I'm not trying to diss them in any way, but I've watched the older people especially as they grow. All they have to do is they know the voice of the other one. I remember my mom and my dad. They could be on opposite ends of the store. And she would hear my dad say something and immediately know where he was at. And he, she would head toward him. Isn't that amazing? Children can identify their parents pretty quickly. They know the voice of their parents. Okay? And so I want us to understand the sheep know his voice. The voice of who? Who? The voice of the Good Shepherd. Hallelujah. Yes, He is the Lord. Okay, He is God. He is Jesus. But in this place, He is the Good Shepherd. Call out to the Good Shepherd. Don't just say Jesus. Don't just say Lord. Hallelujah. Say Good Shepherd. Oh, Good Shepherd, lead me in this moment. Hallelujah. Does that make sense? Hallelujah. In fact, they will run away from the stranger. The voice of the stranger they will not follow. In fact, they run away from him because they don't recognize the stranger's voice. The problem is a lot of the Christians in this life, we know a lot of strange voices. And they were distracted by them. Does that make sense? We've got to know the voice of the shepherd. Hallelujah. He is our hope. He is the one who will lead us the right direction. Hallelujah. As I said before, David is a wonderful example uh, of uh, a a shepherd. Let's go to verses 11 through 15. And we'll talk of David here in a few moments. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Have you ever laid down your life? Hmm. Paul talks about no one has really laid down their life, okay, and died for it. Although some people might try. Okay, Only Jesus did that. Okay, The hired hand is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he just abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. Mm-mm-mm. Next part. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing really for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Hallelujah. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Hallelujah. If that voice is a voice that is willing to lay down its life, then that's the voice of the Lord. That's the voice of the Good Shepherd talking. Hallelujah. You can be dependent upon that. Hallelujah. So, we're talking about uh, the fact that our God is the Good Shepherd. Hallelujah. One more. Let's go to Psalm 23. You know the scripture very, very well, ladies and gentlemen. You can probably quote it with me, although most of us will do it by the King James version. Uh, This is the NIV, so pay attention. So I want everyone to say it together, please. The Lord is my shepherd. I don't hear everyone. Let's try that again. Ready, go. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. This is your shepherd talking. This is who he is. Hallelujah. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The rod was used to kick and hit away all the enemies. The staff was that crooked shepherd's crook and it would pull in the sheep if they were in danger. If they saw that the sheep was kind of close and an enemy was coming in, he would take that crook and pull them on into himself. Isn't that amazing about your God? He is the good shepherd. Hallelujah. Even though I walk, yes, the rod and the staff, they comfort me. What else does it say there? Hallelujah. Right there where it says, uh, you anoint my head with oil. There's another thing that a shepherd will do. Doesn't happen much anymore because we have medicines and different kinds of things that we give the sheep now, you know, to deal with it. But years ago, uh, it was very common for the uh, shepherd to take oil and to pour it over the head of the sheep. You see, the sheep have uh, sensitive areas in their nose, their nasal cavity, around their eyes and their ears, okay? And if nothing is done, the flies would come in by the hordes, and then they would sit there, and they would begin to live there and begin to plant their eggs in there, and then the eggs would hatch, and those little worms would go into the sheep and into their cavity and begin to cause them to go crazy, And so the shepherd was pouring the oil over them every day, okay, in order to be able for that sheep to go about its way doing what it does. Isn't that an amazing picture of the good shepherd, of what he does for us? Hallelujah. So think about it the next time. Hallelujah, that you are in need of direction or what's going on. Call out to the good shepherd. Father, I don't know everything there is to know about the good shepherd. Show me what it is like. I want to know more. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. And the last place I want to go today. Hallelujah. The last name of our God. Someone called it out earlier today. Hallelujah. It is Jehovah Nissi. Everyone say Jehovah Nissi. Jehovah Nissi, hallelujah, the Lord is my banner, the Lord is my flag. And you say, well, what's the big deal about a flag? Now, if you were back quite a few years, it had a lot of significance, okay? Even in America today, although not as much as in previous years, okay, the American flag, okay, is very important to the American culture, Okay, does that make... You go to any other country and their flag is not waving nearly as much as ours. There are not nearly as many places where you see their flag waving. When I lived in Scotland for that period of time, I could only find two or three places in the whole area that ever had the flag raised and flying in the wind. It just isn't that big of a deal. But flags and banners... We're a source of identification. They're a source of, this is who we are. Okay? In the Old Testament, it was uh, with Moses and the 12 tribes of Israel. There were ensigns that were given to each tribe, each family. Okay? And they would hold up the ensign, which was a pole. With a piece of material or a piece of something at the top, and it had certain colors and designs on it. And it said, This is our family. This is our tribe. If you ever get lost or you need to know where we are, look for the ensign. There we are. Does that make sense? Hallelujah. In a war, when it was wartime, okay, there was always the flag bearer at the front. Most important, okay? And he would go, and he always kept that flag raised up. Why? Because it was the rallying point saying, onward we go. We're still in it to to win. And here we are. This is the front line. This is where we are at in the battle. This is how far the line is. How important might that be? Nowadays, we've got all the, you know, the technology to do all that for us. But back then, it was incredibly important that you had the flag or the banner, the end sign, showing the way, declaring, we're over here. This is what, okay? And, and it's a sign of lifting up, the lifting up of our hands, okay? You, in some churches, they use banners and flags, Okay, we lift our hands. It's basically the same thing. It's a sign of lifting up and saying, Lord, we're here, and we know you are with us. Hallelujah. And he's doing the same thing with us if we hear him. If we what? Hear him. I loved flags when I was growing up. I had a fascination for them. When the rest of my family was going out Indian arrowhead hunting, Uh, up in the hills of Wyoming and and other places, I was given permission and I got an old pillowcase and I tore it apart and I put little holes in it and then I used an old-fashioned stick that I found out there in the middle of that Wyoming desert and I would put a flag together. And then I would set one up on top of the hill And then I would set one up at the base of the hill, and I would find out which way the wind was blowing on the top of the hill, and then I would find out which one was flowing, which direction was coming at the base of the hill. I was fascinated with it. I loved weather, okay? But flags were so awesome to me, okay? And so I had a fascination for them, okay? And finding out that banners and flags and ensigns are very much the same. They have the same purpose, Okay, uh, behind them. So let's let's go and to a scenario in the Old Testament uh, where the main characters were Moses and Joshua and Aaron and Her, and that the opposition were the Amalekites or the Amalekites, however way you want to say it. And uh, so uh, the it's the time in which the. The people of God had gone across the Red Sea. Now they're moving about a little bit. And they've just gotten into a place where they're very upset because they don't have any water. The place is called Rephidim. Everyone say Rephidim. Rephidim. Okay? And in Rephidim, you know, they squeal and yell. Okay? We don't have any water. You just brought us out here to die. Ah!" Sounds kind of like us sometimes Mm mm-hmm okay and so let's read from exodus chapter 17 verses 1 through 16 it says the whole israelite community set out from the desert of sin traveling from place to place as the lord commanded they camped at rephidim but there was no water for the people to drink verse 2 so they quarreled with moses and said give us water to drink like he can make it happen you know okay and moses replied why do you quarrel with me why do you put the lord to the test Next one, but the people were thirsty for water there, and they, and they grumbled against Moses. They said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? Gloom, despair, and agony on me, said he. haw Verse 4, then Moses cried out to the Lord, what am I to do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. Next uh, one, the Lord answered Moses, go out in front of the people. Leadership, take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. Next one. And he called the place Massa and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord saying, is the Lord amongst us or not? Next one, the Amalekites, everyone say the Amalekites, Amalekites. came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Now, let me go on and explain a little bit about the Amalekites. Everyone say the Amalekites. Amalekites. You need to know something about the Amalekites. If you don't, then we just move over it and we don't realize where they came from, what their name means or anything, okay? And so, the Amalekites were known to be relentless, okay, relentless opposition, they were formidable, okay? That means they were big enough that you didn't just kind of wave them off and say, oh, it's not a big deal, okay? They are formidable. That means they're strong, okay? They're not easily pushed away. And they're the enemy of Israel. But here's something else. They came from Esau do you remember Esau Jacob and Esau he was the one who uh uh, mm -hmm, let's just say mm, hunger kind of took over and he sold his birthright gave his birthright over so that he could have a little stew okay he's part of the Edomite tribe and the Edomites were actually related to the Israelites so they were actually family even though it was through uh, illegitimate means it was still they were technically part of the family Okay, maybe some of you have some family members through some whatever ties they are, whether they be actual family or whether they be spiritual uh, soul ties that you have that are now connected to you and your family. And uh, they would be considered Amalekites, okay, because they are relentless. Okay, that means they keep on going, coming. They keep on coming. You push them back and they keep on coming. And you push them back and they still keep on coming. Does that make any sense to anybody? Are you thinking of anything in the family that might be doing that? Huh? They're formidable. That means they're just not a push off. They have a strong voice. Hallelujah. They're saying things. They're doing things. Hallelujah. And really they're your enemy. Hello? And yet they're part of the family. Hallelujah. Well, now let's read, okay, from the rest of this. So the Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, Choose some of our own men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. Do you remember that picture? Joshua's busy fighting. Hallelujah. Moses, Aaron, and Hur are at the top of the hill. Everyone say, at the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, everyone say, held up his hands. The Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, everyone say, lowered his hands. The Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, listen to this, they, who's they, Aaron and Hur, okay, the ones who are on his side, Hallelujah. They took a stone, okay, when Moses' hands grew tired, and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Next verse. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this on a scroll as something to be remembered and make sure that Joshua hears it, because I will completely blot out the name of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar and called it, the Lord is my banner, Jehovah Nissi. Hallelujah. He said, because hands were lifted up against the throne of the Lord, the Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation, and the Lord will what? The Amalekites? Destroy them from the face of the earth. Hallelujah. He is your Jehovah Nissi. He is your banner. He is your victory over the Amalekites in your life. Does that make sense to everybody? Hallelujah. Your God is Jehovah Nissi. He is your banner. Your God is the good shepherd. Hallelujah. He is Jehovah Ra. He is Jehovah, the chief cornerstone, the Rosh Pinah. Can I have everyone stand please? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Our God is all of these and so much more. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask of you something. For you to respond to this message. I know it was a little long. Hallelujah. But God has something to say. Hallelujah. And sometimes our flesh doesn't like it. Okay. And what I want us to say. Okay. Are some... uh, in our hearts, I want you to begin to declare some things to God of who he is and where you're willing to go with him regarding the names that you have just heard. He is the chief cornerstone. He is the good shepherd. He is our banner. He is our victory. Hallelujah. Over our lives. Hallelujah. I don't know where you stand regarding him being the chief cornerstone in your life. But if there's been any instability going on in you or your family, you need to get up here. So everything's stable? Or is there something that's going on that you need stability? You need the chief cornerstone, hallelujah, to do something. Hallelujah. It says that he's the good shepherd. Do you know him as the good shepherd? Is he leading you? And are you following all the time? Are you finding it hard to hear his voice? Are you here today? Hallelujah. He is the good shepherd. If you are affected or touched by that portion, you need to be up here. There's obviously something that you need to know. Hallelujah. So you need to respond. Okay. Sometimes all it takes is the movement of your person, hallelujah, to be that prophetic act, hallelujah, that will set things in motion to cause God to begin to do what he needs to do in that area of your life. Can I get an amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Is he, hallelujah, your Jehovah Nissi? Is he your victory? Or are there some Amalekites that are in your life? Some badgering, relentless, hallelujah, formidable Amalekites that might be family or they might be connected in the soul realm in some way that you need to deal with today. Your God is Jehovah Nissi and is here to have victory over every Amalekite in your life in Jesus name. Hallowed. Can I get an amen out of that? Hallelujah. So if you're moved by that last portion about Jehovah being your Nissi, your banner, your victory, you need to move up here because there's something that you need to have victory over. Are you just totally victorious or is there something that is not in line and you want to see victory take place in your life? Hallelujah. Come up here. Because God wants to do a work of grace. He wants to do a work that you cannot possibly work out on your own. You are not your own chief cornerstone. You are not, hallelujah, your own shepherd. You are not victory by yourself. You are defeat by yourself. And the enemy will chew you up and eat you alive. But with him as the victor over your life, with the banner, the Jehovah Nissi, you will be victorious. Hallelujah. Can I get an amen? amen? Hallelujah. Now, what I want us to do, those of you who have come forward, I'm going to pray over you. And I have some anointing oil. And I'm going to use that anointing oil and I'm going to pray over you. I'm going to lay hands on you. You know why you came forward. Hallelujah. I don't exactly know. Hallelujah. But you know and God knows. And so you, hallelujah, trust your God, call out to the Lord in this time when I begin to pray over people and you call out to Him and make it consistent where you're focused on that name. The name, hallelujah, that is above every other name. The name, hallelujah, that is to be worshipped and praised and glorified over the whole earth. The name that will stand the test of time. Hallelujah. He is here in this place right now there is an anointing to remove burdens and destroy yokes there is a movement here in the spirit hallelujah to establish you and cause you to be firm in the direction that he's called you to go where you become stable in all that you are and all that God has called you to there is a a chief cornerstone in our midst today There is a God who is called the the wonderful Good Shepherd. He is in our midst today. Hallelujah. He is good. He is not evil. He is here for your good. He's looking out for you. He sees ahead for you. And if you hear his voice, he will lead you in the exact places where you need to go. He is your Good Shepherd. He is in this place right now, ready to manifest and open up his robes. To show you himself uh, when you could not see it for yourself. Hallelujah. He is the banner. He is the banner over our life. He is the victory over our life. He will destroy the Amalekites in your life. Uh, He will destroy the enemies uh, that you have, whether you knew it or not, have connected to. Some of you have soul ties and I break those things off right now in the name of Jesus. Just release those soul ties, those connections that you've had with people that were not of God, that led you the wrong direction, that took you the wrong way, that made you think things that were not in line with the word of God. Even children of God. Who they were taught wrong and they just took you a certain direction. God is here in the midst. He is your Jehovah Nissi. He will remove those things from you. So you will no longer move in shame and move in defeat. And move in condemnation. Those Amalekites are really good at shame and condemnation. And all the other things that come along with it. Shame on them. Hallelujah. For they are the ones who caused it. They know they are and they have their place of doom even starting today in the name of Jesus. Can I get an amen? Hallelujah. So I'm going to take some time to pray over some people. If you're out there in the audience or if you're on YouTube and you see this, hear this, and you respond right there in the place where you're at. Hallelujah. Be touched in the way that God can touch you. Hallelujah. Whichever name that you are touched and moved by, God wants to do a work right where you're at in Jesus' mighty name. And if you're out there uh, here in the the audience or you are on YouTube and and there's nothing that really stirs you, then you pray for those who did respond. Don't just be a spectator, but be a participator in the kingdom of God. Be active in your prayer right now. Actively releasing your faith to believe that those who are here and have have responded are going to receive everything that God has planned for them and even more. In the mighty name of Jesus. I'm going to put this down and I'm going to begin to pray. Hallelujah. If you need to go, then you go and I bless you in the name of Jesus. But there is some work that God wants to accomplish here this morning. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There are some house things that we need to kind of cover today. Hallelujah. One of them is that on Wednesday nights, we're continuing our series of covenant. Okay, and uh, this is the book. Uh, I encourage everyone to get it. Okay, it's by James Garlow. It is a life-changing book. I know pastors say that all the time. Okay, but this is one of those that everyone really needs to have. And it will change who you see him as being the one who's the covenant maker. Okay, he is, he is all about covenant. And some of the reason we don't understand some of who he is is because we don't understand covenant. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so Wednesdays, everyone say Wednesdays. On Wednesdays, we will do that. Hallelujah. It starts at seven. The snacks are at 645. Hallelujah. I'll be doing it this Wednesday. Pastor Dan's gone. Hallelujah. And so I'll be doing it. Is that right or is it you? Is it you? Okay, it's you. Yeah, I, I got to thinking. I thought, I, yeah, I think it's you. <laughs> but I'm ready to do it. Okay, I'll be, I'll, I'll be upcoming. Hallelujah. And, and then the other is that on uh, the 26th, everyone say on the 26th. February 26th. That's this month, by the way. This is February. Okay, February. This is February. Okay, the, the what day of February? The 12th. We're already halfway through. What? Halfway through? Yeah, February only has 28 days. So 14th, which is two days away, that's midway. So we're coming up on midway all the way through February, and I'm still stuck in January, okay? And on the 26th, John George will be uh, ministering on that particular day, okay? Bring friends, bring uh, family. Uh, They need to hear John George. He is an activating minister of God, hallelujah, And so I want us to remember that. And then there are some birthdays that are located in the month of February. Now, the only one that we know of is Sarge, okay? Dion is another one. Uh, Sarge's is on the 14th. Isn't that amazing to have one on the 14th? Hallelujah. And then Dion's is on the 24th. OK, so we want to wish them happy birthday. So if you have connections with them, you know, you tell them happy birthday. Send a, te- a happy birthday text or if it's on Facebook or whatever. OK, just send it their way to let them know that uh, we appreciate them. Amen. And so, Father, we pray over Sarge and Dion, Lord, that they are blessed and that they continue to move forward in all that you've called them to. And we thank you, Father, for many years, hallelujah, in the kingdom, in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Hallelujah. Everyone remember, we have also to give. And so I want us to remember, you see how much God did here? Do you see how much God did here this morning? He did abundantly beyond what we could ever imagine or think. And out of that, our response hallelujah, should be to give to him what we can. And what we can give is of our time, of our love, but of our finances. And so the finances part, I I want to remind you of. We uh, love to have givers, okay? Because this is how the church continues. It just simply is. And if you don't give, uh, we don't, we're not able to do as much. And some, you know, if we don't have anyone giving, then we'll have to shut down eventually because unless God does something great <laughs> and he, I'm not above and beyond that. Okay. But if you want to give your million dollars, you can give it to church of tomorrow. Okay. And there are cards there with the envelopes there in the back. Okay. And uh, we do it online as well. Okay, uh, our new website that has the new page on it and everything. And if you haven't gone to it, please go to it. It's it's much easier to work with and to flow through. And then also, if you want a text to give, you can text. Hallelujah. So this is a reminding yourself. God gives so much to us. Hallelujah. Now we want to be able to bless Him back. Hallelujah, in Jesus' name. Does that make sense to everybody? Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you, Lord, for the gifts and the offerings, Lord, that are being released today. We thank you, Father, that they will go to their intended purpose. Hallelujah. And that God's kingdom will advance. Hallelujah. And enlarge. Hallelujah. For your glory and for your honor. We thank you and praise you. And Father, as the people are dismissed, I bless them. And I just say, Father, just uh, they carry your presence and they carry your message with them everywhere they go this week. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. If you need any further prayer, I'll be up here to pray with you. Hallelujah. Otherwise, you are free to go in the name of Jesus. Love on one another. Hallelujah. Amen.